Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Clockers, what's up? Always good to have you. Welcome back. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. KB and Smoke keeping you company here on this Tuesday. We we work in a, in a bomb shelter and a bunker, so I have no idea what the weather's like out there, but uh, I hear it might be raining, so be safe out there if that is in fact the case. Uh, we're going to get back to Drake May. In fact, we're kind of having a discussion about two Carolina draft prospects, one basketball, one football. We'll get back there in about 20, 20 minutes or so uh, talking about R.J. Davis and Drake May. Davis went off last night to win over Miami, and Drake May is catching some strays from NFL draft evaluators right now. So we'll talk about that. And also, side note um, that doesn't really, I guess, matter at this point, but I just watched a video of Larry Bird's grandson, a freshman in high school. And this isn't like the normal, oh man, I'm getting old type reaction. This is, oh, that might be just another version of Larry Bird coming up with better hops in a slightly more modern game. He looks like Larry Bird handling the basketball. He seems to shoot like Larry Bird a little bit, and he's got hops. He's dunking on people as a freshman in high school. It is, um, it's exhilarating, but I, I don't really know what, how to react to it, how to respond to it. It's, it's bothering me a little bit. Anyway, let's put that on the shelf for now. Let's bring in Jason Collette. He covers Major League Baseball. He operates out of the Queen City, one of the smartest baseball men that I know. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Jason Collette, it's about that time, brother. How you been? Uh, it is, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm like you. I'm, I'm very excited for the return of Major League Baseball and all that brings to our lives. And I'm also following along with this expansion stuff and trying to figure out where baseball is going to plant its flag moving forward and all sorts of things. And I, let's just start there because you you know this is a, a conversation I love to have. And I know that you'd like to see a team arrive here in the Queen City at some point, too. These expansion articles keep popping up over the past 10 days or so. Jeff Passan and ESPN did one. Uh, Dane Perry and CBS put one out yesterday or the day before. And they all seem to point to Charlotte as one of the two best locations to put a team. You know, Charlotte gets mentioned at the beginning of most of these conversations. Hell, ESPN had a shot of Uptown as their cover photo for the story on the front page of ESPN last week. But it doesn't seem like here locally there's any will to get this done despite it maybe having the best profile to host a team. What, where, where do you think we are right now? Yeah, so when I look at, I mean, let's let's remember, baseball has not expanded since 1998 when right. they added when when Arizona and Tampa Bay came in. It's long overdue. Uh, Major League Baseball has said they didn't want to expand, and, and we've talked about hostage cities before. They wanted the Oakland and the Tampa Bay Stadium settled before they were going to talk expansion. Uh, we're closer to both of those, but nothing's final. I mean, the A's are talking about playing in Sacramento for three years. Uh, and Tampa Bay, there's still it's the financing part, and that's ultimately what comes down to the expansion. So when you've got Charlotte, you've got Portland, you've got Nashville, and you have either Salt Lake City or you have Montreal as the viable markets. If the league expands, they're only going to pick two cities. They're not going four. They would love to get back to a nice round uh, number of, of teams. Uh, so we will see where this goes, but. That's just the decision to say that the, to expand is one thing, but somebody's going to pay the bill, and that's that's the other piece of that. And maybe that's why we don't have the appetite uh, around here locally for that because it's not cheap uh, to to add a baseball team uh, from scratch from expansion. 
No, it's definitely it's definitely not cheap. There's no doubt about that. Now, I, I had Tom Dundon on the show a couple of months ago, owner of the Hurricanes, and you know, I asked him point blank, "You're a Raleigh guy. You own the Canes. I'm, I'm sure you'd like to explore that possibility first. But you know, would you put the team in Charlotte if you were to get the opportunity to lead this bid and bring a team here?" And he said, "Yeah, if it's the best place to do it, that's what we'll do." I, I find it interesting just to stay on Raleigh for a second that when these pieces come out, Raleigh never gets mentioned. What What do you think of that possibility, are they even on Major League Baseball's radar? It really comes down to eyes on you know, the market. We you know, have to look at what the market size is, and you know they would separate. The league would not look at Charlotte and Raleigh as a singular television market, just like they don't look at Orlando and Tampa Bay as a singular television market. Because if you were to combine those two, Orlando, that I-4 stretch would be a top six TV market. And if you were to combine the eyes uh, on television sets and, and devices in Raleigh with Charlotte, we would be a massive market too, but the league doesn't want to, uh, doesn't want to look at it that way. So they'll keep that separate. Ultimately, they're going to want to put a team where they can get the most eyes on their product. Uh, I don't remember what the largest market is uh, between the two cities who has a bigger market for TV, uh, but that's where things would go. All right. So I mean, you've already kind of danced around this and touched on it already. In terms of picking two markets, uh, we've read recently that Nashville and Salt Lake City are in the lead. Salt Lake City, not not Portland. Is it safe to say that they're, even though you know Charlotte and Nashville really aren't that close to each other, I think six hours, I believe, um, you're, you're, they're, not, they're not putting two teams in the Southeast, right? It's going to be a West Coast team and an East Coast team, right? Yes. I mean, they, they need another team here in the Southeast. I mean, I know Atlanta fans are like, hey, we love it, but it's, you know, there's, there's so many people here in the Southeast for them to have one team outside of, uh, outside of the state of Florida in the re- region is uh, an opportunity. And then if you're going to add one to East, you add something in the West. Seattle's got a massive footprint up there with the, with the fan base opportunity, but Portland would be a great place for baseball uh, as well. And so to me, it looks like Portland, but you've seen Salt Lake grow uh, immensely as well. And they're talking about putting a new stadium there for their AAA team. The one they have there already, the AAA stadium was nice last time I was there. So I can't imagine they're going to put two down uh, in this area, even though there are plenty of people because the the West has been looking for another uh, team for a long time. So I could see a geographic balance. Does having a triple A team already in the market help or hurt a, a bid to get a team? Because I think, you know what I'm angling at here. I think there's a unique situation here in Charlotte that the Knights are in uptown. It's a great ballpark. They draw a lot, but you know, it's kind of common knowledge that that ballpark can't be retrofitted uh, to suit major league baseball specifications. So I mean, is, is being a triple-A market helpful or hurtful in this process, in your opinion? Uh, I think, it, yeah, as, you, as you laid out there, uh, Kyle, it is, it, I think it's hurtful only because the current facility can't be expanded. Like, you go back and look historically, when they built the triple-A stadium in Buffalo, they built it so it could be expanded if they ever had the opportunity to get there. The one they're talking about building in Salt Lake City, they're building it for expansion, so if the opportunity comes along, they have the ability to do that. They need a brand new stadium in uh, Portland. The last time they had a baseball stadium, that thing was old. It's in the old uh, the Kurt Russell Netflix series. If you want to go watch that, it's awesome, uh, by the way. So it, you have to be able to build for expansion because it just gives you a leg up. Uh, if you have the area around your existing facility, uh, that gives you a leg up in the process because you're that closer to being market ready. Because when they grant these expansion teams, you have to go from zero to 103 years. Uh, and you've got to go find your uh, your farm system and, and all of that. So you got to get your affiliations. But you basically have three years to get something set up. And if you already have a footprint that you can expand off of, that gives you an advantage. 
Okay, uh, Jason Collette, Roto-Wire, covers Major League Baseball right here in the Queen City. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Um, I'm asking you to speculate, obviously, but there's a lot of you know news and evidence and, and data out there now. Is this A's Vegas deal going to fall apart? Because it looks that way right now. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's, I can see baseball getting involved to make to make it happen. It, it's just really weird to see the Las Vegas mayor say they should stay put. Uh, right. And it, it's not a great situation. And the fact that they, even if they go, the other part of this is, you know, I mentioned earlier, there's a talk about them going to Sacramento for three years. Well, guess what? Sacramento is the giant AAA farm system. They're not going to want to give that up. There's a long history but in the media market, right, between Oakland and San Francisco. And, Oakland, and San Francisco doesn't want to play stadium share deal either. Major League Baseball is going to have to step in and get involved somehow to to get something uh, moving along here because it's now kind of stuck in neutral. The whole deal was kind of rushed to begin with uh, from the Vegas side of things, but I, I don't know how Major League Baseball can stand back and let this work out uh, because it doesn't look like it's working out very well right now. All right, a couple quick things I'll let you go. The, the Tampa deal, I mean, is that one pretty solid? I, they announced a $1.3 billion deal back, I think, late last year, September, October. Everything solid there? Uh, it all comes down to financing to get everything approved. So the fact that they announced it, with some more details than previously, like you'll remember in 2008, they made an announcement that fell through because there was no funding. They did another one in 2015. That fell through because there was no funding. This one seems to go a little further, but let's not forget that stadium, the current lease agreement in Tropicana Field, which is rock solid and they cannot get out of it, which is why they've never tried to, uh, expires at the end of the 2027 season. So we're talking they've got uh, you know four more seasons, and then they have to get out of that building. Uh, there's no way they're going to renew. So that's why we have a little more sense of urgency in the Tampa Bay situation than we do uh, than we do in Oakland right now. All right. Uh, Texter said, hey, love Jason's work. Can he tell us who he thinks is a uh, way too early dark horse to watch this year? You got anybody for us? Way too early. I really like what Detroit is doing this year. Uh, they've got a lot of young talent coming up, and so I, I, the AL Central is mostly wide open. Minnesota will be the favorite, but I really like what Detroit uh, has done this winter. I think they could make some noise this year, kind of like what Arizona did this past year, uh, and make that and take that step forward. So I would keep an eye on the Tigers. All right, no, I like that. Uh, is the Otani effect going to be as advertised in LA, or do you think there's a chance for a letdown? Uh, it's well, it depends where your where your uh, your expectations are. If you think they're going to be a 116 win team and challenge the the, the Mariners, the 2001 Mariners. You may be in for a bit of a letdown because that's, I mean, for a team to go 116 and 46 again would be ridiculous. But that team is loaded top to bottom. Uh, he had an opposite field home run on the inside fastball today. First, you know, first at bat, and he goes and does that in the spring training. So it's going to be fun to watch if you're a Dodgers fan. It's going to be tough to watch if you're a Dodger hater. Uh, but it is going to be uh, it's going to be showtime. Baseball's version of showtime out there. Uh, that lineup is just ridiculously stacked. They're they're building that rotation and that bullpen out. Uh, there's not a weak spot on that roster. Oh my goodness! I just watched it inside out <laughs> to the alley and left center, opposite field. <laughs> the walls three eight. Goodness gracious! I mean, that's just yeah. un, it's ridiculous. Um, last thing: safe to assume that you ran out and bought some of the new Nike uniforms as quickly as possible when you saw them? Yeah, possibly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I made, I made sure I had, like, three layers of underwear on underneath so nobody could see through. I'm heading down. I'm going to Florida. I'm flying down first thing Friday morning. I'm going to a, a Pirates and Rays game in Bradenton, uh, and I'm going to a, a Blue Jays game on Saturday uh, while I'm down there for the weekend. 
Uh, but yeah, these uniforms, this is not a great story. Not a great look for the league. Uh, I hope they get this fixed. I mean, we have teams that have been flying in seamstresses to get pants fixed and, and players uh, going and buying things elsewhere. I thought the marketing group for Dick Sporting Goods did a great job. Whoever put out the ad said, hey, we got you covered. And all they did is show the lower pants and couldn't see through them. Brilliant marketing by Dick Sporting Goods there. Love it. Jason Collette, thank you for joining us, brother. Always good catching up. We'll do it again real soon. All right, man. Take care. Good talking with you. Uh, you too, buddy. Jason Collette with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I looked down at the text line, and some I guess they were talking to Jason when, when I mentioned Raleigh versus Charlotte, and he said, hey, dummy, Charlotte's a much larger, larger market than Raleigh. Bro, be nice to the guests. Jason's a nice guy. Hey, dummy, Charlotte's a much larger, larger market than Raleigh. Hey, dummy. I mean, yeah. You know, Raleigh's a pretty big place. Raleigh-Durham is a pretty big place. Charlotte's the bigger market. Um, there's a lot to say there. We, I think everything that needs to be said there has been pretty much said. I would be personally devastated if the team ended up in Raleigh and not Charlotte. But the good news is I think there's a 0.01% chance that happens. It's boom, not going to happen. Boom, roasted. Boom, roasted. Yeah, what you said. All right, we'll come back. We get back to debating Drake May, RJ Davis, all the latest. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. This is Nick Richards of the Charlotte Hornets. You're listening to Kyle Billy on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Two seven WFNZ cruising on a Tuesday. Hit us up on the FanDuel text line 704-570-9610. Would love to hear from you. Big thanks to Jason Collette, who covers Major League Baseball for RotoWire, operates out of the Queen City. Uh, he joins us from time to time. We appreciate it. We talked about all these expansion articles that cut that have come out recently, mentioning Charlotte, the possibility of Charlotte. One recently over at CBS Sports, once again breaking down all the demographics and financials and uh, the like to figure out which cities, which markets are best for the next expansion teams and charlotte is always in the top two and uh the only thing lacking as we've said is uh, seemingly a motivated ownership group pursuing this in the name of charlotte only tom dundon's out there in raleigh owns the hurricanes and he told me on the show a couple of months back i would do charlotte i would bring the team to charlotte for sure if that was the best place for it but i, I think his priorities start with raleigh even though major league baseball appears to have no interest in raleigh they never make the list so I don't know if this goes anywhere. I'd say probably not, given how far down the road Nashville is with their bid. So this could be a missed opportunity for the Queen City. Malvo in D.C. says, does the city of Charlotte have the space for possibly two stadiums? I know the Panthers and Tepper at some point in the next five to ten years are probably going to want a new stadium. Uh, is the site of the 3A stadium big enough, AAA stadium, big enough to put a major league stadium there if torn down? And what is at the site of the old Charlotte Coliseum? I've often... You could probably put a stadium there in Uptown where the, the night stadium is if you tore the whole thing down, which would be a shame. Let's be real. It's beautiful. Uh, I think you'd also have to shut down like the 4th Street extension behind it. You'd probably have to turn that section of Mint Street into a walkable, like walking only type. You know what I'm talking about, Smoke, right there uh, outside the right field wall. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think you'd probably have to cut off all traffic. Oh. I mean, you, you'd have to. You'd have to shut down the 4th Street extension, I would think, behind left field. And I think you'd have to turn that section of Mint Street into like a walkable only type of area, which might not be the worst thing. But uh, I'll leave that to the urban planners because they probably 
would say, KB, you're an idiot. We have X, Y, and Z that would keep us from doing that. But I, I don't know that it's the best site for it, right? I'm not sure that's the best site for it. It's now, a good question, though. Now, that's the question. It's funny that he brought up the uh, Charlotte Coliseum, number two, by the way, uh, the second Charlotte Coliseum, because number one's Bo Jingles Coliseum now. Uh, did anything ever go there? I thought there was supposed to be a plan for like a complex, and it just never got built. Where is this again? The old Charlotte Coliseum, Charlotte oh, Coliseum number two. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure what happened there. I really. I have no. I have to look into. I've it, never but I don't visited know. that place since it's been torn down. Yeah, which and, is and, sad. Yes. Before we uh, we start to move on here, 803 number out of South Carolina says new baseball team, new Hornets practice facility. What about the roads and the schools and the hospitals? Uh, <laughs> don't don't get me started. Uh, Westside Derek earlier when we started talking about this briefly. Westside Derek said he wanted me to get on this subject. He's like, that's my favorite version of KB. Like, yeah, I'm kind of staying away from that lately. But uh, what about the roads and the schools and the hospitals? Well, the politicians and the regional visiting authority, visitors authority will tell you, well, that's what the hospitality and tourism tax fund is for, right? That's what they'd tell you. Um, they'll also, you know, sell you on the idea of stadiums as an economic engine, uh, which no legitimate economist in the country would back up. They're not. Uh, Quite frankly, officials lie to you about these things. They all do. I've got no problem saying it out loud. If anybody from Charlotte City Council, mayor's office, any of them, tell you all about how a new stadium is going to generate economic activity, not in the way they're selling. It's all, the vast majority of it is bending the truth, and that's putting it mildly. Mildly. So <laughs> It's like when splitting you, <laughs> the spaghetti up. Right. So when you ask me, well, what about the roads and the schools and the hospitals? Well, they came up with this special fund that allows them to say, oh, yeah, but that's this is different. This is different. I disagree. But uh, it's, you know, but general fund versus hospitality and tourism. You could make the argument that it all belongs to the people of Charlotte. And you should make that argument in, in my estimation. Anyway, 704-570-9610. Hit us up with your thoughts. Hit us up with your thoughts. Um. We got to talking about Drake May as a draft prospect. Now, Drake May played at Carolina, but he's also from Charlotte, played at, at Myers Park High School. Or was he at Huff before that? Or that, is that where his brother went? I think that's where, yeah, that's where Drake went. Yeah. Yeah, Drake was Huff. You got me confused there for a moment. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he went to Myers Park. Yeah, well, no, he was at Myers Park, but was he at Huff before that? Didn't he, did he transfer to Myers Park? I'm forgetting. Either way, um, Drake May, who I, I've thought for a while might be the best quarterback prospect in this class. I think I've probably said as much. Well, Merrill Hodge, former ESPN NFL analyst and former NFL fullback, disagrees. Okay, in, in these categories compared to May, I, I wouldn't touch May. I wouldn't I wouldn't grab May. Ooh. I wouldn't draft him in the first round. I, there's a bunch of things that bother me. He's extremely inconsistent as uh, his accuracy. His processing, inconsistent. Um, he's not extremely athletic. I think I find him more stiff. He's got a longer throwing motion, which allows more hits in our league than he gets in college. And I'm just bothered by it. You know, in fact, I just, I knew we were going to do this. So I just wanted to, I hadn't mm -hmm. watched him for a couple of weeks. So I, one of my last games I looked at was the NC State, NC State game. And that may be one of his worst games I'd ever seen. I mean, him play. <laughs> and, but, but it validated, he's at the end of the season and it validated a couple things. All right, so Merrill Hodge, very clearly not a Drake May guy. Safe to say. Not a fan of his work. Stiff, slow release. I, I will be honest with you. I think that there – I've seen quicker releases. I'll put it that way. I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's so pronounced that he can't have success. But I, I will agree that it's not the quick – it's not like a Michael Vick, Kyler Murray, 
Um, I know those are two random names to throw out there, but like, it's not a, a flick of the wrist Aaron Rodgers release either necessarily. I think Drake has a really good arm and certainly more than enough for the NFL. But I, I understand that point, I guess is what I'm saying. Now, I'm also, you know, scrolling down here trying to find Bankert's cut. You texted this to me, didn't you? Yes, I did. Uh, here, here it is. Kurt, Kurt Bankert, former ECU and UVA quarterback. Spent a number of years in the league, mostly as a backup. All of them as a backup. Uh, he's reviewing film now, a la J.T. O'Sullivan, I guess. Now, I know that J.T. does a great job. I haven't seen much of Kurt Bankert's work. But Kurt is saying, quote, just finished my Drake May review. He's a more athletic Mason Rudolph with less arm talent and a lot less accuracy. He has a lot of backyard football in his game, but doesn't have the athletic upside that I think it requires to live in that world as often as he does. He's super raw with his footwork and pocket presence. Ball placement needs serious improvement. Defensive recognition struggles a bit, but I don't know what he's being coached to do, so it can't be all on him. However, the dude will stand in there and take a hit while delivering across the middle. He's a third down threat as a runner, which is a checked box in the NFL. All in all, I see the potential upside, but he's got a ways to go to reach it. He also needs to be in a good situation with a good coach and probably a quarterback in front of him to mentor him to get caught up to speed. Ideally, he ends up in a Jordan Love situation, sits for a few years, cleans his game up, learns behind the scenes, and then gets his chance. If he goes to a bad team early in round one and is forced to play, that may be all she wrote. That's Kurt Bankert on Drake May on Twitter, I believe, yesterday. Yes, yesterday. I just, I don't know. I mean, listen, guys are entitled to their own opinions. Those guys played, he played quarterback in the league. I didn't. You know, he sees what he sees. Obviously, I see what I see. And dudes who did play in the league don't agree, don't necessarily agree with that. But there, it just seems like there are some people starting to come out and say, I don't think Drake's very good. It's like, okay, where's this been all along? Like, multiple people on my text line believing that this is an attempt to get Drake to drop to certain teams. I don't think that's, I don't think Merrill Hodge and Kurt Bankert are part of some coordinated effort to manipulate the draft order. I don't believe that. I mean, Maybe you do, but I don't believe that. Smoke, is that too harsh? Is what, what do you think of what Bankert said specifically? Yeah, way too harsh. I, I really don't get where he's coming. Like, look, do you have questions about, well, what's happened with the late season collapses and his role in them? Yeah, but I, as for me, I've watched a lot of Carolina football due to what I do here for a living. Um, He's never – I've never really felt he was the problem. Now, Merrill Hodge is right to point out that uh, – the NC State game was the worst game of his college career, but there was nothing was going right in that game for Carolina, period. I, I just, I think in an NFL system, well, he might maybe have a rocky first season, possibly. I mean, he's a rookie in the NFL. That can happen, but I also... It can? I've never seen it. Yeah, I've never seen it as well. But uh, I think the highs are so high for Drake May that he is, he's a, I think he's a potential generational type quarterback. That's how high. I usually think he's QB one in this. And you're a Duke fan. Yes. So. I mean, I mean that. Like, no, you're, no, you're no, no. Fan. Yeah, you're right. I, I I see it with him. I see how special he can be. I think he can be, a at the very least, a Pro Bowl quarterback, even an AP uh, All-Pro quarterback, and possibly, maybe even MVP. I think he's that good. I mean, I, I think he's got a chance to be special, yeah. personally. And I'm not just saying that because he's from here. No, I, I'm not a Carolina fan, but I, I'd watch him, and I think he's got a chance to be special. 
Uh, Texas Cacalax says, fellas, in today's hot new hot take news narrative, uh, do you believe that this is lazy comps to Sam Howell and Mitch Trubisky? Uh, is this quote unquote UNC QBs don't succeed in the NFL? I mean, I would hope not. I I don't think that those t- this isn't an Ohio State narrative, right? Because that was a big part with C.J. Stroud last year. Yeah. Greatest Carolina quarterback in NFL history. TJ Yates. I was going to say Ronald Curry. Had <laughs> Ronald Curry was pretty good. Yeah, but he was a wide receiver yeah, in the NFL. That's, that's why I, <laughs> I said quarterback. Um, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that have been drafted out of Carolina. You're, you're right. Ronald Curry was moved to wide receiver. And had a, about a seven or eight year career. Uh, Darian Durant was drafted back in 04. I did not know he got drafted. I think, did he get drafted or did he get signed? I have to look. I would guess signed. Uh, Mark May was drafted, right? Really? I don't know. I'm just going through, going through memories, right? Because uh, of the, TJ the Mac- Yates, Marquise Williams. He, he was not drafted. He was not drafted. No. I was going to say, because the Trubisky. funny thing is the Mac Brown era, the first time around, they, they were not built as much with quarterback play. It was more defense. Yeah. Which is ironic, considering what Carolina's been since ever <laughs> <laughs> Uh, seven Oh four, five, seven Oh 96, 10. All right. So, so more, I was going to ask the question more likely. I'm not going to ask that question. So Drake may, I still think can be great yes. the, on the others on the hardwood. We also had a discussion earlier about RJ Davis who scored 42 points last night, carried Carolina to a win over Miami. And we have a guy on our sales staff, the Gen Z giant drew who came into the newsroom earlier and he said, KB, do you think RJ Davis can play in the NBA? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of thought about that once in the past. And do I think he could? Yeah. I think it's an uphill battle for him at his size. Like, RJ's not an elite defender. I don't even think he's – can he defend at the NBA level? I don't think he can. I don't think that he can either. That's the problem. Now, some of these guys can get by, you know, at the guard position, the point guard position in particular, with elite or offensive ability and not much is asked of them defensively maybe. I'm not sure if that's a great way to put it, but – I don't think he can give you much of anything defensively at the NBA level. I really, I just wonder about that at his size. What's his wingspan? Six two, six four. It's not much. I mean, by by contrast, a recent Carolina guard who's tearing it up in the NBA, Kobe White came out. He's six five. Took him a couple of years too. Yeah, most of these guys that have stayed as long as they have in Carolina, the reason they get shots in the NBA like a Leaky Black and like a Theo Pinson is because they can bring some wingspan that can bring energy to defense off the bench in those scenarios. And that's why they've been able to stay. That's why Theo Pinson had basically had a, a job, basically had a job in the NBA for about five years. It's because he can bring some versatility specifically on the defensive end and can rebound off the glass. That's why Leaky Black's got a shot here and with the Hornets. And I did not have a problem because he can play defense. And while his shooting is not great, we get him in the right spot, specifically those corner threes. He can shoot pretty well. Mm. Mm, interesting. 704-570-9610. Wolfpack James. Even Wolfpack James is coming to uh, Drake May's defense a little bit. He said, uh, KB, they did the same thing to C.J. Stroud last year. Then the state guy says R.J. could play in the NBA as a rotational player, but it's going to be all based on his shot and game management skills. So a Wolfpack, Wolfpacker having the back of two Carolina guys. I, if he didn't put the R.J. Davis part first, I'm going to be like, well, of course. Or second, I would be like, of course the NC State guy's a 
reaching out. He doesn't have to worry about anything with Drake May. Drake may never beat him. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is true. Can't argue with that. Uh, 704-570-9610. GM Joe is up on the phone lines. Joe, what's going on, buddy? Hey, hey, good. How y'all doing? Good, man. Hey, hey, listen, I called up to you um, about six weeks ago mm-hmm. saying that Clifford was trying to save his job by talking to Cup Tech through the media about fixing the roster. And uh, Cup Tech listened and, and made some great trades. I mean, he, I'm a Lakers fan. He did great a job with the Lakers. So I know he knows what he's doing. And so now I read an article today that uh, now Clifford is talking through the media again, trying to save his job, saying that, uh, you know, coaches, you know, well, he says management makes bad draft picks and then puts pressure on the coaches to play them. Mm-hmm. And then when win, they get fired. And then the example they gave was like when he was here the first time, they drafted Frank Kaminsky and uh, Noah Vonley and uh, Cody Zeller, which, which is right. And so, and so now you can say, you know, drafting Book Knight and, uh, and Kai Jones, you know, he has a good point. But, but I think he should just relax. I mean, the team is 5-1 since Mitch made those excellent trades. And um, I think he'll be back next year. So he just needs to, to, to figure out a way. Because when he was with Orlando that third year, the players kind of tuned him out. So you got to figure out next year will be the third year. Figure out how to not lose the locker not to lose the players. And I think he got a chance to be here for a long time. What do you think? Because well, the guy can coach. Yeah, look, I think he can too. And the, the only thing you said right there that I might take a little bit of issue with is, you know, I don't think he's saying it trying to save his job. I just knowing Steve a little bit, talking to him pretty regularly. I, I just don't think he, I think he's going to shoot it straight. I don't think he's got much of a filter anymore at this point. Like he's respectful. He's, you know, he, he keeps it between the navigational beacons, but he's going to say what's on his mind. And I, I think, I don't think you would disagree with what he said, right? Because these GMs, they, they draft a player as he put it, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh, you got to play him. And, you know, yeah. and he said, look, sometimes it's tough for people to just say, gee, we might have made a mistake here and moved on. But instead, you're forced to play these guys who clearly can't play. And I think he said at that point, two coaches have been fired. I think he's right about that. Well, I think I think he loves Charlotte. I think he wants to stay here. I think he's speaking. Not this time he's talking to the new owners. The new owners, you know, I want to be here. I can coach. We're well, five and one. Bring well, me back. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. If Mitch, if what Mitch said is true and they are shockingly knowledgeable about the roster, then I would hope they know that and can see that already without Cliff having to, you know, campaign for it through the media. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate the phone call, buddy. Uh, let's go to smoke on the headlines. What's uh, going on in the, in the world out there? All right. Well, it's actually very funny that we've been, and very apropos that we've been talking about Drake May because uh, one of his former high school coaches for a year was Josh McCown. He's no longer here in Carolina with the Panthers, but he has found another job. The Minnesota Vikings to be their quarterback coach. And uh, the Vikings quarterback future is very up in the air right now. As we mentioned, Kirk Cousins about to be a free agent coming off an Achilles injury. Could the Vikings, Kyle, be planning for a trade-up for Drake May? Nah, I read they want to keep Kirk Cousins. That's possible. No, I never know. I just read the other day that like they're, they're in negotiations. He's... They would. They told. They were saying before he got hurt that he was throwing the ball better than he had in his entire career. Uh, that's actually not a lie. So if I were them, if you can, if you can come to a, a deal that works for both sides, I'd keep Kirk Cousins personally. And, and you know what? If you could keep him and draft Drake, I think we've like Jordan Love. I know it's kind of a, the latest greatest example, but do you draft a guy to sit behind Kirk for the next two years? Is that possible? Maybe. Yeah, possibly. I would. Maybe like uh, Spencer Radler. 
All right. What else you got? All right. So moving on to some other NFL news. The Raiders have new coaching and GM with Tom Telesco, the former Chargers GM. One of the biggest topics of discussion during his combine interview was the future of Devontae Adams. And apparently, according to him, they are not open to talks of trading Devontae Adams as of right now. Yeah. I mean, he's, he wants to stay there, right? Yeah. I mean, so don't trade him. Yeah. He's a good player. Is that it? Uh, yeah. I, also, uh, Ryan Paul said, uh, we're going to make a quarterback decision as quickly as possible. Well, I, that's I think- not that's not true. They've been they've been thinking about this for forever now. <laughs> that's not true. That's a lie. Going to make one as quickly as possible. No, you could have made one already. You haven't yet. That's cool. It's your, your prerogative, but we're going to make one as quickly as possible. No, it's lit. you can't at this point. You've been thinking about it for a while now. You still don't know if you're moving off of Justin Fields? If you d- what does it say if they truly haven't made up their mind yet? I, I don't know what to tell you at that point. Like, I know that they're going after the quarterback that I wouldn't take number one in Caleb Williams, it feels like. But, like, come on. You you have this opportunity, golden opportunity, and you don't know what you're going to do at this point. I don't. I think Justin Fields can be good, but he's not going to be, like, all pro type good. All right. Think. We'll come back and wrap up the show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Coming up Wednesday morning on the Mac and Bone Show, the Panthers are raising ticket prices over 4%. How's that sitting with the fans? We'll talk about it. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. the show we appreciate you being with us here on a tuesday we got more throughout the course of the week a lot of good stuff planned it's this is like a slow or a slower two-week period in sports not for acc hoops but uh in most other places but man things start to pick up very very soon always stuff going on but uh it's really going to start to pick up in the next couple of weeks smoke i got the email today from gary soba and the guys at the wells fargo championship your boy has been invited back for the celebrity putting competition at Wells Fargo ahead of Wells Fargo Championship Weekend. I am stoked. Did you ask Gary if Mac and Bolton are invited again? I didn't ask. I have no, <laughs> I have no idea. I've, but, you know, um, I, I, I acquitted myself fairly well last year. Yeah, you were very close, weren't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, not. I, I don't, you know, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think it was three back of the lead, if I'm not mistaken. I think Greg Olson and I both were. Um, so, yeah, the, the celebrity putting competition uh, for the Wells Fargo Championship, we're going to be out there Monday, May the 6th. So it's coming downhill wow. quickly. It is coming downhill quickly. There's no doubt. All right, so uh, we, we've had a good time today. We've talked to some great folks, so I guess it's time to catch you up on what you've missed. Let's hit the rewind. Smoke, you didn't send me the rewind, did you? You just sent it, didn't you? Literally just now. How how, how are you? Smoke. Smoky, smoky, smoky. See, look, look at me having to buy time now because I don't have it. Would you like to start it? Now, here it is. Uh, hour number one, Nick Carboni, NBC Charlotte Sports Director, Sports Anchor, on if head coach Dave Canales makes it seem like the Panthers could run the ball more next year. I mean, I, I guess Canales talking about the run game, I, I know that's so, like, kind of specific, and there's not a whole lot coming out of today, but... If you're looking to, to know what this offense's identity hopes to be, it's going to be one that sticks with the run and tries to let the run carry it. 
through the final stretch of the season. I mean, he talked about being in Tampa last year and, you know, the run game being pretty sticky for them and not really working and, and a lot of people wanting to get away from it and how they stuck with it and how that helped them and how they got better at it in the end and how that opened up the big play and it allowed them to win games and go to the playoff and win a game playoffs and win a game and obviously that's something last year under frank reich and others that just did not happen later in the show willie p the voice of charlotte fc on his new day with us on tuesday afternoons his here's willie p saying charlotte fc is trying to be uh, very diligent with their dp move over the next month you don't want to get into a scenario where you're desperate to get a guy just to get a guy and then you're signed up with that player for two years and you really don't know what to do with them. So I think Charlotte's been very intentional. You know, I've had a couple of conversations with some of their scouts over the course of the last couple of weeks and said, you know, well, while their market is kind of quiet right now because, again, teams are kind of settling and then the market's kind of uh, coming back to the norm, it doesn't mean like there won't be an opportunity to potentially get somebody here within the next month or in the summer window. I think that Dean Smith has made it very clear he wants to get a right winger in here of some uh, of some rapport and also get somebody who can maybe even be a, a shoe-in in the center back role as well. And he's also not necessarily shy about wanting an attacking midfielder either. So I don't think this roster is in any way done, but I also think he also is not worried about leading on some of these young players. Later in the show, and finally, Jason Collette, Roto-Wire, operates out of the Queen City covering Major League Baseball. Here's Jason on, with all the expansion talk ramping back up again, on if he thinks Raleigh is even on Major League Baseball's radar. It really comes down to eyes on you know, the market. We you know, have to look at what the market size is, and you know they would separate. The league would not look at Charlotte and Raleigh as a singular television market, just like they don't look at Orlando and Tampa Bay as a singular television market. Because if you were to combine those two, Orlando, that I-4 stretch would be a top six TV market. And if you were to combine the eyes on television sets and devices and Raleigh with Charlotte, we would be a massive market too. But the league doesn't want to... Uh, doesn't want to look at it that way so they'll keep that separate ultimately they're going to want to put a team where they can get the most eyes on their product uh, I don't remember what the largest market is uh, between the two cities who has a bigger market for TV uh, but that's where things would go that's the rewind and look back into the show each and every day as we wrap things up as a reminder to get us wherever you get your podcast Apple Spotify Google just search the Kyle Bailey show download and subscribe we'd love you for it uh, I gotta run we're back at seven for Hornets pregame Travis T-Bone Hancock joins the fray Hornets and Bucks at eight pregame at seven we'll talk to you then for smoke I'm KB this has been sports radio 92.7 WFNZ you're gonna be dead in 100 years anyway live dangerously 